Throughout the ministry of our Savior while he was here on earth, he made it his intention to always bring across a message, and he often used the things around him. He said, consider the lilies of the field. He mentioned many other things that had to do with farming and different aspects of nature. And today, I want to bring in a message to your heart, and the title actually is, The Answer is Blowing in the Wind. I got this message... It just developed within my heart as I began to ponder the fact, cutting grass with my push mower. Did you ever have a lawnmower that was self-propelled? That thing don't stop. You got to keep up. And uh, in that, I began to perspire. I Man, it got hot out there. And then the other day, we had four trees cut down. And then there was stumps all chewed up and the chips were everywhere and we had that job to get up off the ground and sweating just like... One of the things that I, in particularly, that started my thought process was as I began to cut the grass, there would be a breeze that would blow across the yard and I'd stand there and go, hmm, thank you, Lord. Somebody driving by probably thought I was nuts, but I didn't care. When you're hot and bothered, man, that cool air blowing against your face, it feels so wonderful. I began to just make it, a, as the breeze would blow from one point to the next, I'd just make it a point in my life to just say, thank you, Jesus. Man, Lord, thank you for that wind that blows. And God began to stir in me and bring my intention that God used the wind many times to deliver something into the hearts and lives of individuals, and sometimes the multitudes of people. As you look in the Word of God, and your bulletin has already got it there, my text goes into, and my opening text is one Psalm 104, verse number 3, and the very last part of that, it says there, who walks on the wings of the wind. And I began to allow the Holy Spirit to speak within my heart. And he began to reveal some things that I want to share with you today. But just so you don't think I'm totally out there, totally crazy or nuts or whatever, to think that standing in my front yard, backyard, wherever, and to stand there sweat running down my face and a cool breeze was something that I was thankful and grateful for. Do you really believe God would do something like that for you? I want to remind you that in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel put their 40 years in in the wilderness, they always had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was always a cloud that shielded them from the hot sun that kept them from burning up on that desert that I know was over 100 degrees. And at night, there was that pillar of fire that gave them that understanding of of what I understand. Let me just say it like that, what I understand, to be like a street light so they could see their way around. God thought of everything. Now, if God was that intentional and that wanting to care for their specific needs, I'm convinced as I stand here today that when you're cutting your grass, when you're out there in your garden and you're sweating bullets, 
and a breeze bows kind of comes by, don't take it just by accident. You know what I'm really hoping for before this sermon's over? Is that every time you're out in the yard and moving around and driving up and down the road and you're somewhere and a breeze hits you in the face, you're going to think of God. See, why do you say that? Because we become so disconnected with God. We come in here on a Sunday morning. We put our time in. We clock out and go home. How much time do we ever spend just thinking about Him? I pray that every breeze that blows by your face and messes your pretty hair up or blows the papers across the table, you'll think of Him. Because He's the one that's got it all under control in your life. You got that? I hope so because he does not deserve just a one hour and what? You're hoping at least one hour and 15 minutes and I'm out of here, right? That's what you're shooting for. I hope that it's more than that for you that when that breeze blows, that's my father that's thinking of me. There are four different areas. You say four. Oh, no. Well, there are that I want to address Where God used the wind, the power of the wind, it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was used for restoration. It was used in demonstrating God's power. And it was used in the aspect of fellowship. Those are the four areas that we are going to cover by the help and grace of God. I've given them the scripture, so I'm just going to pick this paper up and walk down here where you're at. I don't want to preach down at you. I want to preach right to you. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, you can see there of the power on the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in one place in one accord. There came a sound from heaven, look, as a rushing mighty wind that blew through that place. Why did God use wind? All of a sudden, the cloven tongues of fire could have set on their head. They could begin to speak in tongues. But guess what? It didn't work that way. God said, I'm going to come in there with a force. It's going to be the wind that's going to blow through here. What's so important about this event? This event allowed us as individuals to begin to move into a dimension within our lives where no longer is God out there and I'm here God moves us to a place where now we become personal with Him. It becomes intimate with Him. He allows us to experience and know and have a glorious relationship. We are no longer, church, in a place of religion. We are in a place of relationship where it can be intimate. That's why you may look at me and I really, to be frank with you, I really don't care if you think I'm nuts. Just leave me alone, I'm happy. Because I realize that my experience with God is something that is to be treasured. It is something to be experienced. It is something that I take hold of personally and it's mine to own. I own it. And this was brought about because of a sound of a rushing mighty wind that blew into that upper room and men and women began to experience and know the mighty awesome power of God like never before. Remember the Old Testament scripture, and we're not going there, but remember in the Old Testament, Moses said, I wish that everyone could prophesy. He felt the presence of God, and there were certain select ones that felt the very same thing, but not everyone. Guess what? When that wind blew, 
what God was saying, that wind is blowing your way. It's for you, it's for you, it's for every one of us to experience and have a glorious, precious, personal relationship with him. Don't let people take that from you. Experience it. Everybody else wants to get old, cold, and indifferent. That's fine. But you don't have to. You can experience and have the vigor and the power of God working and moving within your life. That wind blew on the day of Pentecost. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 12, this has to do with a man by the name of Elijah. He was a powerhouse for God. He had a weak moment. We all do. There comes times in every one of us at one time or another that we have to be restored. We got to get our Energizer Bunny batteries back. We need to be able to move into that place back where we once were. Notice this. The wind blew with restoration. It says, then go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord pass by. Notice this, what I'm saying is God showed up in the wind and he tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces, but the Lord was not in the wind. But I want you to know that got him there. But after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. But at the very end of that verse, but the Lord was in that still, small voice. And God began to say to Elijah, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Buddy, what's going on with you? See, you can hide from Jezebel. That's who he was running from. You can run from a whole lot of people, but you can't hide from God. He knows where you're at. He knows what's taking place. And you know the thing about it, he doesn't take advantage because you're in a weak state of mind, a weak state physically, whatever that may be. He is only coming by in a still small voice to bring restoration in your life. God began to speak into Elijah's heart and life and he began to tell him some things. Isn't it sad? I'm just going to pause here for a minute. Isn't it sad that we have this concept in the church, well, not so much in the church, but the world and those around that God's setting up in heaven with a big ball bat just can't wait to bust your head wide open. And that's not true. God says, I love you. I'm here to find you, Elijah, and I'm going to bring you back. You know, you hear guys that are in boxing or in football and sports, they have a comeback. Can I just say this, and this isn't even in my notes. But if you know of a person that's in the place of coming back from where they were, for God's sake, don't beat them down. Make room for them. Because God's the one that's doing the bringing back, not you and not me. Because God's in the business of bringing us back from wherever we are. And it may be an ugly place. It may be a dark place. It may be a miserable place. But what did God begin to speak to him? He begins to say to him, he says, Elijah, I want you to go back the same way you came. And while you're on that way, find Elisha because I can see you need some help here. Call him out and have him follow you. 
Some people, when they find themselves in a place, in a dark place, a terrible place, well, if God gets a hold of me, he's going to just totally rock my world and tear me apart. No, he's not. He'll send you back the same way. He'll restore you into that place. No, it may not always be the same. There may be things that will change, but in the whole analysis of it all, God is there to make and to restore you into a better person than you are today. And the church said what? Praise God for it. He not only said go the same way, he says I also want you to go the same message because it's never changed. I think one of the things that's sad within the church world today is we're in a place where we want to be socially correct. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to embarrass anybody. No, we don't want to do any of that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. If I have to choose between what the truth is and those very things I just said, by God, I'm going to go on the side of the truth. It's the only way. And the one thing that I find in that area where God says, go with the same way, go with the same message, but he also says, go in a new strength. God rewired him, gave him new strength and power to go back and do the works of God. You're not over. You're not finished. I don't care what people say about you. People will write you off. But you can become one of the greatest success stories in the annals of the heavenly host. Because God can bring you back from wherever you're at. And he can restore you. Let's move on to Mark chapter 4 verses 37 through 40. The wind blew God's power. Wind blew God's power is demonstrated for what was next. I know some of you may not have been here over the past couple Sundays. Two Sundays ago, the young man that's coming in as the, the youth director, he preached on the demon-possessed man of the tombs. But before that message, as you can see, a great windstorm arose. This is the chapter before, in chapter 4, verses 37 through 40. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Give me 38. And he was in the stern asleep on the pillow. They awoke and said to him, Teacher, you do not care that we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And in the verse that followed that, The disciples at that moment said, Surely he is the Son of God for even the winds and the waves obey him. What do you take from that? I hope you hear what I'm about to say from where I'm taking it from. See, there are times in your life, I will say this to you, When there will be strong storms that will arise, they'll just blow up out of nowhere. But you walked into the job and you didn't see that one coming and you're totally blown away by it. You're driving down the road and you didn't see and didn't anticipate that car was going to pull out in front of you. You were in situations that all of a sudden, suddenly that storm rose up in your life. And you were helpless. I don't know if you've ever been helpless, but helpless isn't fun. It's scary. 
you hold on and grab hold of anything you can grab hold on to, and you're sitting there saying, God, help me and get me out of this. It wasn't at all pleasant. They were scared out. And these were seasoned men of the sea. They were fishermen. But by the time that storm was over and Jesus brought them through that storm, guess what? They recognized this is the Son of God, that even the winds and the waves, they obey him. And if you'd stop the story there, and I have, I've preached on that, and that, hey, folks, let's shout, cheer, and have a good old time. But... Really, what I have here is it demonstrated for what was next. Those men needed to see the power of God demonstrated in their lives because when they got to the other side of the shore, they were going to meet up with a guy that had the ability to fill 2,000 hogs with demons that sent them to their watery grave. I don't know about you, but I've never come up against, I've come up against demon-possessed people. But I've never come up against someone just totally, you know, possessed with demons that had the power to fill up 2,000 hogs to their death. What they were about to see, the disciples seen in the boat that night, the Son of God, when they reached the other shore they were going to see and experience what the son of the devil was all about. And you better, you know, you say, well, why am I in this storm? So that you can be ready for what's next. You're getting prepared. It'll be your back reference. It'll be your cross reference. It'll be the thing that you'll hold on to to say, yeah, if he can bring me through that, whatever I'm looking at and staring down right now, by the grace of God, I can come through that also. I don't know if you've ever been there like that. I've been there. I've seen that happen. I've seen things happen that just, oh, make my knees knock, keep me awake at night. I tossed and turned in the bed like a rotisserie chicken. Couldn't sleep, scared, what's tomorrow going to hold? How is this going to work out? I don't know what's going to happen. But I have found his grace is all complete. He supplies my every need. All I need to do is to sit at Jesus' feet and I am free, yes, free indeed. And it's joy unspeakable. Equips me. What you're going through right now, you'll say to yourself, (laughs) <laughs> what I just was coming through was nothing to what i got to face now. See, God, there's a verse of Scripture, and it's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says that God takes us from glory to glory to glory. God is not going to take you out there. That's why in the military they have boot camps so that when you go to war, when you go to a conflict, you're ready to fight. They're not just going to shove you out there. They're preparing you. And sometimes we miss that concept with our Heavenly Father. Some of the stuff we're going through, we think, God, you don't love me. You don't care. You don't want me. And God's saying, to the contrary, I'm, just, I'm, I'm building your faith. I'm building your inner institution so you're going to able to stand against the things that's going to come down the road in your path of life. Uh, 
<clears throat> I haven't put this, I don't think they've got, no, it's not. It's in Matthew 10, 1 through 8, and we're not going to go into that text. You can take this and look at it later. I was sitting at the table, and it's like, I said, that can't be. No, I, it's like the Holy Spirit ever speaking, oh, that, that couldn't, that's too easy. But I picked up Matthew because Matthew gives the same account of where the storm was to where the demon-possessed man was. By the time Matthew hits it, it's in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. These very guys that came through the storm witnessed the power of Jesus Christ casting that devil out in Matthew 10, 1 through 8. Guess what? He sends them out, I believe it says two by two, and they're out there casting out devils themselves. They just didn't happen to get there. He had them in a place of readiness. There's nothing quite like, and I'm not trying to spook you, but there is nothing quite like looking eyeball to eyeball with a demon-possessed person. It'll make you call on Jesus, and I mean quick. You may say demon possession, oh, that's just a bunch of malarkey. Well, you, uh-huh, you, you play with it. You get out there and say, oh, it's a bunch. He'll get a hold of you and tear you from one side to the other. And you'll say, and it may be this little small kid. But you look at demon possessed person in the eye. If you're not ready and already reinforced and been trained and being able to say, I've been there, done that. I've seen my Savior do that. And I know I can do this because he's empowered me. And you move forward. See what I'm saying? And I'm not just talking about demon possession here. I am talking about life. We have a father that loves us, and he knows what 2020, 2021 is going to mean in your life. I didn't say 2020. I said 2020, 2021. He knows what's going to happen in that year in your life. And he's already working in you right now to get you ready for 2021. And this is my proof. He took those guys that were scared out of their skin, knocking knees together, saying we're going to drown in this boat. And by the time they walked up on the shore, they knew who they had with them. They had with them the Son of God. And when that devil who was cutting himself, screaming, there were people that would go the other way, would avoid to get near that demon. Jesus just walked up and what the demons start saying, what are you doing here? You know, why are you come to torment me? And here's one that's being tormented. And now that demon realizes that he's going to be tormented by someone who was all powerful. And the disciples seen it all. So when he looked at him and said, hey, boys, I need a break from you. You know, there's times in life we need to get away from each other. He said, I'm going to send the two of you two by two out and you're going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to cast out devils. Bye, 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 bye. No, no. They were ready because why? They had been there and done that. And see, we may have trepidation in our lives. Don't get all excited. People, they, oh, I just wish I could, somebody would just tell me what my future is. You know what? I have enough trouble just living in today. I'll let God take care of my tomorrow. And he will, because he's working in me right now to get me ready for what's next. 
because he loves you that much. I will tell you, just listen to me. He ain't going to leave. I did say ain't. I was told in grade school you don't say that, but I am anyway. You ain't going to sit there on that pew for the rest of your life and do absolutely nothing. He's going to work you, mold you, make you. He's going to bring you into a place from glory to glory to glory to where he can use you for his honor and for his glory. So it ain't going to be, you're, you know, you're not going to be setting up in the bloody nose section of some bleacher somewhere. God wants to bring you to the playing field and let you experience some hard knocks to get you to where you need to be in him. I know this isn't popular. Oh, just rock me to sleep, stick the pacifier in my mouth, and tell me, Pastor, it's all going to be well. Just kind of, you know, like an old hound dog, you know, you rub him behind the ear, and he just, you know. No, 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 God isn't going to do that for you. Well, you say, are you done? Nope. One last thing. Again, the Word of God says in Psalm 104.3, who walks on the wings of the wind. Genesis chapter 3 I checked this twice, and I'm not Santa Claus either. Checking the list twice. I checked it because it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, the fact of the matter is, he walks on the wind. There was a wind, a gentle breeze that blew through the garden. I'm convinced that day as Adam and Eve were there. The wind blew to come into fellowship with them. But you know what? This is getting down to where we live. You thought all that other stuff was where we live. The wind blew to fellowship with them. He was there. He said, where are you, Adam and Eve? Now, can I just tell you, God doesn't need you to tell him where you are. He's got your number. You can fool your wife, you can fool your husband, you can fool your kids, you can fool the boss. You can't fool God. He knows right where you are, but he still wants to fellowship with you. You know what? Let me just say this before I even get into this. Why does he want to fellowship with you? Simply because he's the only one that can help you. You're just waiting for the next slowed out to heaven. I know that. Why am I even preaching this message? Why? They were distracted because of sin. And they couldn't fellowship. I want to bring this in line with the lawnmower pulling me across the yard. I'm focused on getting that grass cut. Because the sooner it gets cut, the sooner I can be in the house cleaning up and sitting on the couch and taking it easy. So I'm just on a mission. And at first, I didn't pay any attention to that breeze that blew in my face because I was distracted. But now, Bubba, when he's pushing that lawnmower, when that breeze just starts and I can look in the trees and see it, I'll stand there and wait for it. Hit me. Thank you, Lord, because I'm not distracted by that, what I'm doing. I'm focused on when's the next breeze coming through. When's the next time he comes through in your life? Can I say more than likely, and I'm not being presumptuous here, I believe he's probably come by quite a few times in your life this week. And he passed you on by like the wind that blows and goes on through. 
because you didn't acknowledge it and you didn't see it. What distracts you from him? You say, you really mean God wants to get in my business? Can I just say this to you? I don't want you to do this because we don't want to call the paramedics. But if you would just stop breathing, hold your breath and don't breathe again, you'd find out just how involved God is in your life. Because that next breath you're going to get, He's giving it to you. Getting quiet in the house. And see, that wind would blow. They knew that He was there, but they were distracted because of their sin, and we've been paying for it ever since. But see, we as Christians... It's not so much maybe sin that distracts us. Could it be our possessions? Things that we treasure? You got the boat, you got the big house, you got three cars. You know, you, it's like this, I was telling the guys, in, uh, well, maybe not, but I remember telling them in Food Bank, there was a couple in our church in Lynchburg, Virginia, that knew two radiologists. And they were good friends, so they'd go to their house for dinner. Now, they didn't have, you know, too, too many pennies to rub together, but this radiologist and his wife, they had the bucks. And you know what he said to them, said to the husband? He says, I get very nervous when my bank account drops below $100,000. <laughs> okay. i like for him to walk in these shoes. He'd be admitted to an insane asylum somewhere, I tell you. But our possessions were distracted and the wind just blew by and never even paid any attention to it. It's the opinions of others that we struggle with. When people offer their opinions, we let that become in the forefront of our minds and God's just trying desperately to get in and trying to just fellowship with you. But I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look strange. I know what they think. And we let him just pass by. The wind blows and it just goes on and we don't pay attention to it because we don't want to acknowledge it because what would someone think of me? story goes of a mother who had a daughter that was in grade school that was very ashamed of her mother, didn't really want the mother to come to school or show her any togetherness at all. And the reason was is that the, um, the mother's hands were ugly and scarred and full of scar tissue and they were just grotesque. And the little girl didn't want people to see her mother and the hands that she had. One day the mother had enough of it. She said, here, honey, sit down. I want to talk to you a minute. She said, honey, I want you to know something. You know why these hands are the way they are? There was a time in your young life before you even knew what happened. I rescued you out of a burning fire. And my hands became permanently damaged because of it. I know somebody else that has his hands scarred. And he's carrying those scars now and through eternity. Those scars that went into his hands and his feet. We just today honored him. 
And if I have the audacity to stand here or to sit or to be around people that their opinions of my God and my Savior are such off the page and they don't want to hear anything about it, you know what they can do? They can go on their way and I'll find new friends. Because I'm not ashamed, as Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the power of the pulling down of the strongholds. Matter of fact, when I get to heaven, it isn't going to be the golden streets. It isn't going to be the pearly gates. It isn't going to be that huge mansion that he has built for me. I just want to put my hand like Thomas. I want to touch those scars. Because those are the ones that bled and died for me that I can today have that hope of eternity in Jesus Christ. So the opinions of somebody else, they can just take it and go with it. Or is it the cares of life? The enemy sitting on your shoulder telling you if God really loved you, all this stuff wouldn't be happening to you. And God said, I've got a breeze that's blowing by you to cool you, to give you reinvent. You know, when I get that breeze blowing, when I'm pushing that lawnmower, hey, buddy, my step quickens. I'm ready to move again because I'm ready to go. Or is it my own agendas? You've got your own stuff. You've got your own agenda you're living for. I'm going to do this. I've got goals. I've got things I want to do. God, you, you don't figure into it. Tell you what, God has a unique way of bringing you and I to a place to where he will figure into it. To where all of a sudden he fits in when he, at first he didn't because my world's too big and God, you don't fit in. Remember the title of my message? You probably don't. You probably. I just pray the wind blows all week to wake you up and realize this message I preached. Title of the message is The Answer. It's blowing in the wind. Don't let anything within this life, because God rides on the wings of the wind, don't let anything come down the path of your life that would get in the way of blocking that gentle breeze that God wants to blow across your life that will lead you, that will refresh you, that will strengthen you, that will minister to you right where you are. Because that's what his intentions is. We got wind blowing in here. That's artificial. That's an old air conditioner. And how many say thank God for it? But let me just say this to you. When you step out of this place, And as that breeze begins to blow throughout, this is the windiest place I've ever been at, right here at this church. If the wind's going to blow, it's going to blow here. I'm I'm telling you, get out of the car. Yep, we're here. You know, you can be blindfolded. Yeah, I'm at the lighthouse. And we need to acknowledge that. Lord, thank you for that breeze. And sometimes it's only when we're sweating bullets, when we're really saying, I don't know how much more I can take then we recognize because we've had to stop that gentle breeze begins to blow across our face and we begin to say, thank you, Jesus, for that breath of fresh air that you just sent my way. God wants to lead you today, and I want you to get that. I don't know where any of these four fit into your life, but I believe that somewhere you can connect into something that I have said here, not me, but God, that will help us to say, God, let that wind blow again. Because I believe the answer is blowing in the wind. Father God, I thank you for this day. 
Thank you for this people that is here today, and I pray your hand of mercy and grace rest on them. I pray, God, that you will lead us on by your power and by your might. God, I'm crazy enough to believe today that throughout this week and the weeks to come, that this message isn't going to leave their minds because the wind blows across their face. They're going to think, yeah, God. They're going to think about you, not this preacher. But they're going to think about you and say, wow, that's what my God can do. And so, God, I just pray you'd make us open and sensitive. Help us not to become distracted by life, but help us, God, to become more attentive to you. And, God, for this we ask and believe in Jesus' name. Amen.